Alright, what's cracking everybody? Happy Monday, 8-15-22. It's 3.56pm. Obviously, we out here in Park Ridge, Illinois. 75 degrees. You know, it looks nice. I mean, I've kind of been monitoring the screens, as you could have guessed. I don't know if I said this in the last podcast, but we got the dual monitor set up now. And, you know, we don't have a live stream going, but it's like, it's freaking badass, man. So, you know, we got a curved monitor, and then we got the OG MSI. But, I mean, man, it's just beautiful to have two screens. I feel like a freaking wizard out here. Um, but let's get into it. Let's get into it. Why am I making this podcast? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to make one on Thursday. Wanted to make one on Friday. Didn't do it over the weekend. whoop de doo I'm a slacker, but we're here now. And I mean, who the heck thinks we're going to have a soft landing? And if you're listening to this podcast, you know that we're not going to have a soft landing. But if you think we're going to have a soft landing, I mean, you know, I would like to hear why. So if you think we're going to have a soft landing, you got you to let me know. Because I mean, and what I mean by soft landing is, you know, we get inflation down and we continue to have, a, a, you know, some nice economic growth. I mean, that's the Fed says it's probably going to, it could happen. You know, you got Yellen saying it could happen. You got some financial pundits on, you know, the major networks saying it could happen. And you got the market clearly thinking it's going to happen. And I mean, we talked about this last uh, podcast, but, you know, we have had this nasty, nasty bear market rally. Um, I'm talking about, you know, up almost nearly 16% uh, the past three, what's the past month, sorry, on the NASDAQ, up nearly 20% uh, since the lows. Past three months on the NASDAQ were up 13%. And then the S&P 500, you know, off the lows, up nearly 15%. Past month were up 12%. Through past three months were up almost 7%. No, sorry, but almost 7.5% on S&P 500. So it's like, why is the market rallying? Well, let's think about this you know, what are asset managers doing, like the big boy hedge funds? Well, they shorted the year and they were having hedge fund managers having like the best year ever and they were beating the market by a good amount. And normally that just never happens. It's unheard of. Um, so, you know, they took their money. They went to the beach with the family. They went to Europe because the dollar can buy you a lot more in Euro. Uh, sorry, in Europe um, with, with that weak Euro as we've, you know, been talking about on this podcast before. Um, we got the close in the S and P five hundred near forty three hundred today at forty two ninety seven fourteen, um, which is pretty damn interesting. Pretty key level here. This forty three hundred, you know, we got a big options expiry this uh, this Friday, so we'll see if that has any impacts. You know, should expect a pretty volatile week. Um, but I mean, why is the market rallying? I mean, if you look at like the past five days, Nasdaq's up four percent. About S&P's up about 4%, and you're just like, holy crap, why? And I mean, this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about some economic data first, you know, why this happened, because, you know, the rally didn't just start today. It's been happening in the past couple of days and, you know, the past couple months. But I mean, because CPI is going down, as we talked about in the last podcast, everyone thinks we're going to have soft landing. Um, and we're also seeing, you know, some pretty decent falls in PPI. I mean, PPI, which is the producer price index, was uh okay like I get a text from my boy Alex Rafita I know he's gonna he's gonna listen to this podcast and he's like bro listen to this and it's like dog I'm recording a podcast I can't listen to this so maybe uh sorry I I gotta I gotta I gotta stay on track here anyway 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 so the PPI always leads to CPI because it's producer prices and then it goes on to the consumers okay and you know producer prices year over year up freaking nine percent but that's coming down from eleven point three percent in July. PPI actually came in five basis points. So last month in June, we saw an increase of 1% in uh, PPI, and now it came down 0.5. And it's like, look, yes, year-over-year producer prices are up 9%. You know, year-over-year CPI is up 8.5%. I mean, crazy, crazy numbers. But one thing that you would know 
is I, I know I talked about this in the podcast last year, is we saw PPI accelerating March, May, April, sorry, March, April, May, June, and it keeps accelerating, accelerating, accelerating. And then CPI started accelerating, 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 accelerating. And PPI has since like started to peak, I believe, in March, April, and it's been coming down since. And so that's why I've been saying, okay, CPI is going to peak soon, CPI is going to peak soon. And I'm telling you it's peaking. Um, right now, I think we peaked in June. If we, I'm going to say, if I want to make a call, I would say we peaked at 9.1% in June. And we're going to be heading down to around 4% by December and possibly negative in the 2023. And remember, prices can still remain elevated. Prices are not going to go, uh, you know, for gas, they're not going to go all the way down to $1.80 again. Okay. Well, that's what it was near my house during the COVID pandemic. But, you know, they're, if they say the same, your over year rate of change will be negative on CPI. So that's how, like, that's how we have to think. So we could get a negative CPI next year if you know these prices continue to continue to go down, and you know we're seeing global PPIs actually start to come in. And so this is just some, some economic data that is you know reaffirming that we are getting this you know uh, slowdown in inflation. And you could argue whether it's the fed because they're choking off demand. And I, I would argue it's more the consumer cannot afford to pay, um, these high prices, whether it's the pump, whether it's with the food. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you kind of have to at the pump, but you know, instead of going on a road trip, I'm just not going to take that road trip. Um, instead of shopping at like going out to eat, I'm just going to go buy my groceries and cook a nice home meal for myself. Um, my point is, is okay. We're seeing that, but that is going to impact real economic growth. If inflation comes down drastically, growth will completely capitulate. So it's like that is not a soft landing. And we're already going to, I mean, we've seen some earnings come in. Not really. Earnings are actually a lot better than people thought. You know, we're talking about this whole earnings recession, yada, yada, yada. And, okay, so Alex sent me this thing. Anyway, um, if we haven't seen this massive capitulation in earnings, but we've seen this like terrible guidance coming out, whether it's from tech companies, Target, Walmart, we've talked about that on this podcast. But when you're getting terrible guidance, the er- they're you know warning you that the earnings the next couple quarters are going to be worse. So I don't know why we haven't seen a massive capitulation in you know in the price of stocks because you know er- we you know earnings are going to be coming in. But I expect that to slowly slowly come out and hit the street. Um, and you know we got Hong Kong uh, GDP and a lot of global global GDP numbers um, last week too. And you know Hong Kong GDP year over year down 1.3%, okay? And they're still going to defend that peg with what money? That's what I ask. With what money? Um, because, you know, they're slowly having no economic activity. They're not going to be able to hold that peg anymore. I think that like poses a very, very strong systemic risk to the global financial system, a lot stronger than a lot of people think. So it's, it's just very, very interesting to me. Um, and, you know, we're already looking at, like, you know, British GDP month over month down six basis points. We didn't have a positive read. Like, last month, uh, we had a positive reading in GDP. I mean, yes, year over year. <laughs> the previous reading in G- year over year GDP in Great Britain was 8.5%. We went from 8.5% down to 25 Quarter over quarter, we had 0.8% growth, and now we have negative one basis points. You know, construction output in <laughs> Great Britain contracting. It's like all of these growth outlays that aren't even adjusted for inflation are contracting. Sorry, they are adjusted for inflation are contracting, um, which is very, very fascinating. Then we got the initial jobless claims number last week. 
And what do you think I'm going to say? The initial jobless claims, the four-week average, continue. The no, well, initial jobless claims, we were expecting 248K. We got, to, sorry, the previous reading, 248K. We got 262K. And the four-week average for jobless claims continues in this upward trend that we've seen since the start of the year. Yes, non-fram perils were, you know, blowout number in July. But, but we see this average of jobless claims you know, continues to skyrocket, continues to go up. And we look at economic data that came out, abysmal economic data that came out of China last night. What did we see? We saw the youth unemployment rate is 20%. China always leads the U.S. And that's another thing I'm going to be talking about here. But I mean, some of the data that came out of China was just absolutely terrible today. And that's why crude oil sold off so hard. And a lot of the commodity space sold off so hard because China is such a um, big player in the commodity market. Um, and they, you know, we can see that when China's uh, year-over-year imports of commodities go down, commodity prices always follow. And it's you know, usually like a six-month lag, but we're seeing that play out now. And people are like, why is oil going down when you have a shortage? Why is, you know, we have all these food problems. Why is corn, wheat, and soybeans, why have they like gone down to lower levels than they were uh, pre-war? It's because of China. China has been locked down and they still have the zero COVID policy. Yes, when they come back uh, to the global economy, commodities will probably soar. I mean, we still have a structural deficit for copper and precious metals, especially because everyone wants to go green and have EVs. Well, if you want to go green, you need a lot of you know precious metals, cobalt, uh, lithium for the batteries, copper for the car. So... I digress. You can see what I'm talking about. But when you completely shut off uh, a nation, one of the largest, you know, second largest economy in the world and one of the largest importers of commodities in the world, I mean, you're going to see demand just go to zero. And so it all gets placed on the U.S. and the rest of the world while there's a war being fought. So that is why you're seeing, um, you know, the fall in commodity prices. been warning it here. Um, you know, I, should, you know, I, can't, I didn't, wasn't playing oil. I still have the natty short on. Um, and, you know, temperature in Chicago is, uh, and, you know, the Midwest is, you know, just came down quite a bit from the beginning of the summer. But, I mean, I know there's a heat, massive heat wave rolling through California. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts natural gas. I know natural gas storage was actually up by 4 BCF than last week. So we'll see how that translates uh, with the natty market. Looks like it may want to roll higher here, but I, I still know that over the next couple months, I mean, we're seeing massive demand destruction. And, you know, actually, I think most of the news out of Europe with uh, this whole natural gas story is they have filled up most of their tanks with gas. You know, they were, they're going to be fine this winter. The question is next winter and the winter after that. I mean, they're already resorting to coal for the winter. And the funniest thing is, is Germany shutting down natural gas plants um, right now. Sorry, not natural gas plants, nuclear plants. You know, nuclear, EU says it's green energy, but they're closing down nuclear plants and going to coal, which if I was a huge environmentalist, which I'm not, you know, got to save the planet, sure. But, you know, I want to say I'm a crazy, like, you know, team green kind of guy. But, you know, more power to you if you are. But it's kind of a lot, like, doesn't make any sense. We're going to go to coal instead of nuclear energy. But, I mean, if you know what you're talking about, please let me know. I just think that's uh, crazy. Um, anyway, so then we go and look at some economic data that came out, you know, over on Friday. I mean, 
Inflation expectations came down two basis points, nothing I really care about. But current conditions, I mean, last reading was 59.0 and we're back down to 55.0. Okay, consumer expectations, yes, they went up from 47.3. But that's like the lowest <laughs> consumer expectations on record. Went up to 54.9. Consumer sentiment went from 51.5 to 55.1. But the current conditions still collapse. So it's telling you, you know, consumers, yeah, like when you go to all-time lows and, you know, we're summer, having a good time, you know, you're spending time with your family, you're going to have a little bit better sentiment. So I think, like, this is really no factor. I mean, we're still at all-time lows on humid sentiment readings. So it's like, come on now. He's telling you that there's something clearly wrong here. I mean, you literally got uh, saw this last week um, where the bull bear market index, like the bulls were reading zero. <laughs> and, you know, normally that's going to tell you, you know, okay, you got to be a contrarian. But I think when consumer sentiment is hitting, you know, all-time lows, you know, small business confidence hitting like near, sorry, not all-time lows, but, you know, lows we haven't seen since 2014, great financial crisis, 1982, and the 70s, is telling you there's something clearly wrong. The markets are clearly, clearly, clearly very disconnected with reality, and, you know, they've been rallying even when consumer sentiment was, consumer sentiment was at zero, uh, sorry, was falling off a cliff as the market was rallying, too. This is nothing new. Um, so I think we'll see a, a nice reflexive snap to the downside um, because something will break, especially as the Fed is hiking um, over the next couple months here. And I mean, export prices, sorry, import prices are, you know, falling. Last month we had a positive reading of like 0.3 and now we're at negative 1.4 this month. Export prices down 3.3 over the past month. I mean, yes, still very elevated over year over year. 13.1%, but 13.1% versus the reading in June, 18.2, is telling you, okay, inflation is going to be coming in. And a little an- anecdote for you guys. I would, you know, if we know about the bullwhip effect, you know, Bernie talks about this. Jeff Snyder talks about this. It's pretty much, you know, there's a supply chain disruption and we're expecting demand is going to be the exact same as it was in, before this supply chain disruption. So we're going to order as much goods as we possibly can to get our hands on. We order, let's just say, uh, I own a clothing store. I order so many t-shirts from China, okay? And I don't know when I'm going to get it. So I order it from one supplier, another supplier, another supplier. I order as much as I can because I can get here today for my customers because my customers want this. They have that demand. But then it takes, you know, five months to get them. And then like slowly, I realized I ordered a lot. So I get all these shirts from, oh, from five months from now. And then it goes all the way down to eight months. And then I have way too many shirts. And everybody has way too many shirts. And the demand slowly starts to go down. And I have way too much inventory, but this demand isn't there. So I'm forced to lower my prices. And you see this when you go to the stores. It's like I went to the mall the other day. And almost every place is buy one, get one free. Or buy one, get 50% off. Or 50% on this one piece of clothing. And like I literally went to Under Armour, got a pair of shorts. And these people go... And the, like the lady goes, oh, you bought those shorts? You get a free thing of uh, whatever you want. It just has to be less than 60 bucks. And I'm just like, anything? Like, yeah, we need to clear out the inventory. And this is the same thing you're hearing from Target and Walmart. I mean, this is massive deflationary pressure. I mean, I told you, I went to Costco. I wanted to go buy coffee. You know, coffee used for K-Cups used to be out 40 bucks. Now it's 30 bucks for the same, you know, Sumatra pack from uh, Costco. So it's telling you inflation is coming in. And, you know, CPI is a lagging indicator. It takes like a month or two for this to show up in the CPI. So get ready. 
And, you know, people be like, CPI is coming in, so that must mean GDP will go up. I, I don't know about that. I mean, there's, there's, uh, I, there's not as much economic activity due to supply chain constraints, and you know, the consumer is in very bad shape. You can see that via consumer sentiment readings, okay? So that's my little rant there. I haven't even talked about China, okay? And China always leads the USA. This is like the main news from overnight. And the market, man, it sold off in the morning. We like we woke. I woke up. S and P was down to about forty, forty two thirty, and now we closed at forty three hundred. About so about a one percent swing on the day, um, and it's all because of China. I mean, the China data was you know god awful. Housing prices in China year over year down one percent. Fixed asset investment for the past year uh, down five. Oh, sorry, up five point seven percent. But we were expecting to be up six point two percent. Down from six point one percent the last uh, last month in June. Industrial production came in quite a bit, up four point sorry three point eight percent. Expecting up four point six percent. I mean, industrial per, uh, sorry retail sales up two point seven percent. We were expecting retail sales to be up five percent. Okay, and the unemployment rate is still at five and a half percent. So this is just absolutely nuts. And so you can see that this data is terrible. And What's China doing? What's China do about it? Well, they lowered their prime rate from 3.7% to 2.7%. I mean, 2.75, I should say. I mean, that's a huge, like, lowering in the rate. So that's telling you they're, you know, trying to take matters in their own hands to provide some monetary easing. They lowered their reverse repo rate from 2.8% to 2.7%. I mean, they're still cutting rates. And that is going to provide even more pressure to the downside on certain commodities, such as oil. Are telling you we don't have inflation, we have deflation. Um, and what does China do? China leads the U.S. always because China is buying up all of our debt. China is exporting all of all their goods to us, which we're importing, and which we give them dollars, and they go facilitate trade. I mean, we talk about this dollar shortage over and over and over again. It's why Hong Kong is having problems. It's why Sri Lanka is uh, falling. Bangladesh, Ghana. Um, Argentina, there's a global dollar shortage. People don't have enough dollars. You know, you hear stories about Russian banks running out of U.S. cash, and then they, you know, the currency went into a little bit of hyperinflation for a second because of this global dollar shortage here. Um, and it's going to lead into the U.S. has to flood the, the Fed, has to quote unquote flood the system with cash via controlling expectations with QE because the banks aren't lending. That's for damn sure. And you can like read stories about banks, you know not actually going out and lending. Um, so this is very, very interesting to me and the theme that I'm going to be watching to play out. I mean, I remember very well in uh, Jan- it was February of 2020, I believe, and like industrial production just completely cratered in China. And then it took a month or two for it to show up here in the US. I mean, if you guys remember properly, you know, ever it started off with Hu Rong in about April, May of last year, then it moved on to Kasia, Evergrande, defaulting, you know, these major property developers and China having major, major economic problems, which they still have now. But this is when, you know, the crisis was just starting to brew. And then you wait five, couple, uh, three to four months. And then what is it? So let's say it happens in like summer, August, wait three months. So around November, when the S&P 100 top, November. China leads the U.S., and with this, you know, them cutting rates, the U.S. is probably going to, you know, we're not going to cut rates, you know, tomorrow, not going to cut rates next month, but, you know, December rate cuts is very possible. I mean, I would be eyeing those March euro dollars um, because 
as I said, if you think the the federal funds rate is going to go lower, the Fed is going to have to reverse course. I mean, euro dollars are pricing in a 4% Fed funds rate. There's no way we get to 4% because if you have 4% in a Fed funds rate, you'll crash the economy, my friends. So that's all I'm saying. And so I'm going to tie this into why did bonds spike on Thursday, <laughs> it went from spiked from twenty basis points. We were sub three percent, like we went to like two spot nine nine, and we went to around three point two on a thirty year on Thursday. And this was after the PPI dropped. And I was watching the market. PPI came out and yields went down below three. And then throughout the trading day, they skyrocketed to around 3.2. And this is as the market rallied. And yes, yes, I hopped in and I bought TLT. I wanted to go long bonds as people in the market was selling them off. And this whole idea of we're going to have a soft landing. And you have to understand that bonds are a safe haven. You, The whole 60-40 portfolio, the idea behind it was, okay, when my stocks don't perform, bonds will perform for me. But right now, bonds have sold off. They're having the worst year of all time, and stocks are selling off. So a 60-40 portfolio was flawed and not working. Right, and everyone's crapping their pants because most retirement uh, accounts are, you know, 60-40 type of thing. And um, the bond market should sell off if growth is is expanding. If we're having growth, you know, a, a nice wave of economic growth, the yield curve should steep. And we talk about how the yield curve is flat and, and <laughs> inverted, very, very inverted. I mean, right now on the 210 spread, I believe where we at, I got the yield curve pulled up around about, it's narrowed quite a bit, but it's about 40 basis points right now. Um, on the 210 spread. So it's like, if a yield curve is healthy, it should be super steep because it's implying that we have a lot of long-term growth on the long end and people are not, are not going to, you know, the short rates will not be that high. But as the yield curve gets flatter and flatter and more inverted, it tells you that the, the bond market is not pricing in a lot of economic growth. And so the yield curve actually steepened on that news of PPI slowing. And why was that? Because people believed there, there will be a soft landing. And we can see in GDP data coming out that there will no be so, there will be no soft landing, and we have the New York Fed manufacturing data come out. Okay, and it was a negative reading of thirty one point one. Sorry, thirty one point three. Last month we had a reading of eleven point zero, and in July we had sorry in June we had a negative reading, and that's when you know the market sold off quite a bit in the beginning of June. Bonds like went hit their lows, uh, bond yields hit their lows in June. Uh, well, started to come down quite a bit and quite drastically. You know, the ten year went to around two seven five or two seven nine right now. But you can see that is telling you we're in recession. Growth is collapsing. We're getting a negative manufacturing print from the New York Fed. And we have plenty of uh, you know bur- building permits come out tomorrow and more regional Fed data points coming out this next week. We'll get ISM as well. Uh, I think it's ISM is at the beginning of next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this will show you, and the market will realize that there can't be a soft landing. Inflation may be coming down, but growth is coming down with it. You can't have both. So if you want to have high growth, you'll have high inflation. But no one wants that because that's not what the that's not good for politics. But uh, a stock market down, you know, ten percent on the S and P five hundred year to date is also not good for politics. So the Fed has a is walking, uh, skating on thin ice here. And, you know, one thing also here to like, I noticed is S&P 500 
on Thursday rallied. VIX was up two percent as well. Today, S and P up forty bips. VIX up twenty. Sorry, two percent as well. The VIX rallying is telling you people are buying puts on the S and P five hundred. When the S and P five hundred goes up and the VIX goes up, usually is telling you reversal is coming or you're gonna have a nice sell off some point, you know, in, down the road. So, you know, all I say is, you know, be wary, be cautious because, uh, you know, nothing is getting better. The economic data today, you know, confirmed that we are in recession. I mean, there, every single recession in history has had two quarters of negative GDP growth. Um, and this one we're just completely changing the definition of makes no sense at all. Um, and the market has this illusion that we'll have a soft landing and you can just measure it by the yield curve. Um, and if, you know, looking at the yield curve right now, the three month, 10 year spread is exactly 20 basis points. So it's like, once we have that thing invert red alert, my friends, red alert. Um, and then last thing is, is like trade ideas, holding everything still short HSBC, still short on the MetLife. Get, I'm getting killed on the MetLife short. Went long on Vol like a week, a week and a half ago, um, and you know I bought it the VIX at 22, and I mean we're at 20 right now. Have until January, no worries there. And I'm trying to actually scoop up cheap Vol on this dip if I can because I think you know we haven't even seen the VIX go above 40. You know the market has not hit its fear, its big old capitulation. Um, so I'm just waiting with that. And um, looking to get a bit more short, I wanted to short high yield credit and also private equity because that's just you know one of the biggest bubbles of all time. And private private equity guys, you know, leveraging up to go buy real estate and such. But I th- I I know this company, Invitation Home. Shout out Ethan Lewis for telling me about them. But basically, they're a subsidiary of Black Blackstone, not BlackRock. BlackRock is you know the asset manager. Blackstone is a private equity firm, and. They go out and they buy houses and they rent them out to people. And they have a lot of the majority of their houses are actually in um, the on the West Coast in like Silicon Valley, Seattle type of thing. And a lot of the people that they're renting to have jobs in the tech world. Well, we all know that a lot of people in the tech world are either losing their jobs, you know, taking pay cuts or, you know, tech companies are slowing, slowing their hiring. So if they lose a target market, you know, it's going to have a huge impact on their business. You know, they were, went down to 32 and a half um, on the, well, near, it was like 33 where they bottomed back in June and they're trading near, or near, like right near around 40 bucks right now. I mean, we know housing, you know, we see this home builder confidence, you know, you know, completely collapsing homes in uh, Canada down for the fifth straight month. I think I read a thing that down near 25% off of their highs in Canada. We've seen, you know, five months of downward trend in housing in Australia. And they say, so goes housing, so goes the economy. And, you know, typically home builders, housing companies are very correlated to treasuries because, you know, treasuries have like the 10 year treasury. It's how you price uh, a mortgage rate pretty much, you know, based off of that, you'll get your mortgage rate. So if the 10 year, 10 year spiking, which it had been this year, that's why we've seen highs in mortgage rates, you know, for the past like 10, 15 years this year. And that's why home builders were selling off. That's why treasuries are selling off. But as treasuries have rallied in June where they bottomed, you've seen home builders start to rally. But, you know, there's weird times where these mm, this correlation breaks, i.e. GFC, 
1990. Um, so I think that this is a good way to hedge. You get protection on the downside if Invitation Homes goes down. And if we're long treasuries, which I am, I don't know if you guys are, um, but if you're, you get protection because if treasuries go up and home builders go up with them, then it's like, okay, I just risk manage that. Then, you know, that's, that's your hedge. But if, you know, they break the correlation and housing goes down while treasuries rally, which is kind of the doomsday scenario, you get, you know, you win big on those, uh, both of them. But, you know, that's not trading advice. I'm not a financial advisor, not financial advice. This is my podcast. So we're just having fun here. I'm just giving out some fun, uh, you know, just what I'm, what I'm doing, how I'm trading. But it's like, look, takeaways is there's no soft landing at all it can't happen it's impossible um and people think that like okay well like the data is showing that we may actually get a soft landing when you see a manufacturing print like that from the new york fed that negative like you know off you know, 40 basis points from the last reading you i mean you you know sorry 40 points i should say um you you can tell that you know there's some serious uh things wrong happening in this economy and you know, when home, home, like prices are just, you know, falling off a cliff right now. I mean, we're still, you know, up 15% year over year, but we were up like about 25% year over year. So we can see that rate of change coming down quite quickly. And, you know, based off of how fast we see that happen, um, that that's kind of going to show you where the economy is going. The ISM coming down from, you know, high 60s, well, sorry, mid 60s, we're right around 50 right now if we get a print below 47 we're in a recession market's gonna have to price that in and you know the fed says we will hike rates until we don't have to until you know growth has come in i think they will break something and that is what we have to watch out for i don't know what the future holds you know that's what makes a market a market we're all trying to price in the future no one has a crystal ball something will break we don't know what that something is, but there is something that's in a break. And how do we know that? We look at the yield curve, and it's inverted. And we see the three tens are about to invert. That is your red flag. So keep an eye on that, guys. Keep an eye on the VIX. And, you know, happy trading. Um, get ready. Things are about to get interesting. I always say that, but it's like, you know, Mark, this is the most painful rally. Bears, bulls on the down. We were, like, you know, trying to catch dips back in March, April, May. They lost. And then finally, it starts rallying, and then they, you know, FOMO into the end. Bears who shorted the bottom are getting killed right now. Even if they made money shorting the top, but if they shorted the bottom, then, I mean, unless they are risk managing properly. So it's like these markets are vicious, guys. Be careful. It's always a fun time. Thanks for joining me.